Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And I'm ready when you are. <coughs> you ready? <coughs> Get on the water. Hold on. <coughs> <coughs> the garage just ate me a good jalapeno, and I should have waited. <coughs> My lip's still burning. It goes about 20. <coughs> that was about 30 minutes ago. I don't know where this came from. Hold on. Are you fine? <coughs> Ooh. <coughs> okay, I think I'm ready. Sorry about that. Okay, in five, four, three, two. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Today I have with me author of Excuse Proof Leadership, a get-it-done system for building a high <clears> – <throat> let me start over. <clears throat> what is going on? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, Tracy. <laughs> oh, you're muted. That's why you're saying that. Okay. Yep. Five. <laughs> Four, three, two. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Today I have with me author of Excuse Proof Leadership, a get-it-done system for building a high-performing team, Ms. Tracy L. James. Hey, Tracy, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. How are you today, Sonia? I am doing well. Thank you so much for joining me today, especially to talk about this very important subject. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. You know me. I um, There are a lot of things I'm passionate about, and uh, this topic is definitely one thing that I am very passionate about. Yes, you are, and I was like, she's the perfect person to bring on. But before we get in into why you're here, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I am Tracy L. James, and I am a Mississippi girl. That's right, born and raised right. in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> Um, very proud Mississippi girl, and I currently reside in Houston, Texas. Um, I am currently working as a business growth strategist, helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses. I focus specifically on early stage uh, uh, businesses and help them grow into mid-market businesses. Awesome. And also an author. Um, yes. Um, actually, in the process, actually sitting next to me right now is um, my huge post-it note with all my little ideas for the next book that my business partner and I are actually working on uh, for release uh, probably first quarter of next year. That's awesome. That is great, Tracy. Very proud of you. So, um, well, we'll be looking forward to that one and, you know, just, you know, keep me posted. So I'll be there for the um, book right, I mean, the book, um, book signing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, Tracy, as you know, in 25 days, we will be electing a president for our country, and this election has not come without chaos and lots of drama. The first presidential debate last week was a disaster and an embarrassment to our country. A couple of days later, Trump announced via Twitter that he and his he and First Lady both con- both tested positive for COVID-19. You know, I don't know what can happen in the next 25 days, but whatever happens, it, would, it wouldn't be too surprising due to all the surprises and blows 2020 has dealt us individually and as well as a country because it's, it's just been absolutely bananas so, this year. But, Tracy, I know most people at this point have pretty much made up their mind about who they're voting for or even if they're voting. So for the ones that are not voting and can, how can they be convinced how critical this election is? Well, honestly, if you really go back and take a look at how 
this race ended up. This president did not win the popular vote. It was the Electoral College, right. which is one of the reasons that makes every single vote that much more important. The more states your candidate wins, the higher their chance of winning not only the popular vote, but the electoral vote. And because so, it comes down to political strategy in respect to which states they focus on when they're out campaigning. So as a voter, it is important to get out and vote. Even though you may not feel like your one vote counts, it does. It counts along with everybody else's vote combined. So no, you can't do it by yourself, but you have to be a part of the collective. That's true. And, you know, what's amazing to me, it seems like I've heard people say my one vote won't make a, a difference, but that election was so close in 2016, it mm-hmm. absolutely would have made a difference. All those people who felt like they you know, it wouldn't have made a difference. And it's it's very important. And I just want to know, what could still be keeping non-voters in this sea of no, of no, no decision? I mean, look what's going on around us. Unfortunately, sometimes people just get caught up in where they are and they can't see past where they are. If they mm-hmm. feel like they've never had any progress regardless of who's been in office, they lose hope. When in reality, this is when you really need to press harder. This is when you really need to become more engaged. The truth of the matter is groups who come together collectively have power. We've seen it happen. The reason that Um, initiatives get power is because of the groups of people that come together to challenge the issues that that we're being faced with. When you look back at, say, the civil rights movement, and you think about they had the, all of the laws that had been on the books for decades, no, for centuries, (laughs) were overturned after large groups of people came together and continued to fight, despite the fact that they were, you know, shot with hoses and they were threatened, their lives were threatened, people were killed, there were bombs, they were able to collectively come together to make a change. Your vote is a part of that collective change. People died for you to have the right to vote. Exactly. For you to have the ability to walk into a voting booth and actually exercise your opinion. And I'm thankful for the fact that my grandparents took me into the voting poll and taught me about the importance of voting as a young child. I actually used to love election day because I could go to school late that day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, so I was able to go with them to vote, and we would go to breakfast afterwards, and they would explain and talk to me about the process. It was that important to them. Wow. And that's something that still, you know, sticks with me and why I believe in being an informed voter. That's the other issue that I think is, is, is part of the problem is that people don't truly understand how our government works. They took civics class out of the uh, curriculum in schools, so yeah. people don't really understand how the government works and how all the different pieces of our government, the city, the county, um, the state, and how all of these different entities work together to create the system in which we function in. And each of those people that you elect, or better yet, you have the privilege of electing, impact your life. They touch your life. And your children's life. And what's amazing, the the elections that's going on now, especially with um, these judges, you know, getting um, – 
that Trump is putting in, I think he's put like, I think 193 judges, and my numbers might be off, but I think um, besides him, President Carter was the other, the only other president that has nominated and put it, you know, um, had judges put in, so many of them, and he's mm-hmm. put in like 193, and that makes a lot of difference, and people don't understand that. Can you explain? Can you elaborate on that? Judges impact our lives because the decisions they make in the courts impact families. And it doesn't matter whether it is a civil case or a criminal case. It impacts families, which creates a ripple effect in communities. Um, For example, A good friend of mine, actually one of your sorority sisters, was one of the uh, black women judges that was elected here in Harris County um, in 2016. And one of the reasons she made the decision to even put her hat in the ring to be a judge was because she understood the impact that a judge has in in a family court situation. Right. Decisions about... Um, family, you know, divorces and custody and dealing with um, those type issues, those are ripple effects within the community. When a family's torn apart, when a family's coming together, one of the things she says she loves is being able to oversee adoptions, seeing families being built. So your judges impact that. And on the criminal side, when someone is wrongly accused and convicted and taken away from their family, there's a ripple effect in the community. There's a ripple effect in the world. This person's purpose has been cut. It's been shifted because they're no longer where they should be because guess what? They were wrongly imprisoned by a system that's broken. Yes. The system is not perfect. So when you have a judge that's put in place that comes in and is not um, fairly, you know, exercising um, and overseeing the laws in place, they're not being fair. If they are putting blocks and stopping people from being able to be clear of, of charges that are clearly and, 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 you know, invalid, these are the kinds of things that we have to have when you have judges who are, who are biased. Right. And, that, and the reality is, 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 as much as they want to say that justice is blind, it is not. Because if our judges are not blind, if the process in, in selecting um, jurors is not blind, then how can you truly have a, a fair trial of your peers? You can't. You can't. You cannot. So voting for your judges and voting for the people who select, who appoint judges is very important. It's so a how key piece in shifting the criminal justice system. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's one thing I <clears throat> you hear, and, you know, we see it posted on social media so much about how certain communities, um, are locked up more than others, but when we don't vote and put certain people in place and when we don't go to jury duty, all of that makes a difference. And, you know, so we play a part as well in our own communities. It's not, like you say, the system is not blind. You know, it's no justice. Not all the time. A lot of the times it's because of who's in, in office because we didn't vote. And, you know, playing your own part, voting and, like I said, jury duty. So you're absolutely right. You're 100% correct. So how do you convince a non-voter that their vote counts? What, what can you say to someone who just was, like, adamant, it, it's, I'm, I'm not gonna, it's not going to matter? What can you do? The only thing you really can do is educate. That's all you can do. You can give them the information, and it's up to them what they do with it, how they process it. 
Um, you know, it goes back to that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's right. So you can give them everything that they need. And this was something that, you know, I've realized is that I used to get really frustrated with people. And you know me well enough to know that when I get on my soapbox, I can get really passionate about trying to get you to see my point of view. Right. And I realized that it was not helping that person really see my perspective. It actually caused them to dig their heels in further. So I've learned now, I'm going to give you the information I feel you need. Now take it, process it. You got questions, you got concerns, let's continue the conversation. And I think a lot of times people who have chosen not to vote feel attacked because you know, people get indignant. People died for this right. And you're and it's correct. Somebody did die for you to give the right to vote. Right. But at the same time, those rights go both ways. True. You know, it is America and the ideal is that you have the freedom to choose. Um, you may not agree with why I don't I don't vote. You may not agree with the fact that I am a voter. But we have to find a way to have an intelligent dialogue. And, and a lot of times what I've found is that showing someone how this particular vote, this particular position will impact their lives usually works much better than just saying, hey, somebody died for your right to vote. You've got to make it personal. What's important to them? Is it their children's education? Is it their job? You know, what is the issue? And that's the, that's the reality in respect to how people vote. Um, I, describe it, I describe it like this, that most people are schizophrenic when it comes to their vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they often vote based off of emotion, mm-hmm. not off fact. That is why you will see candidates promoting moral issues over other issues. Mm. Um, And it comes down to picking who you think is the better Christian. Um, (laughs) Mm. And that's unfortunate, but that is, that's the marketing edge of a campaign, is that I'm going to get you get to your why, get to your core of who you are. And even if you voting for me is going to be detrimental to your children's education, to your job, you're still going to vote for me because I've touched on the emotional issues that are within you. You are an anti-abortionist, and you don't believe in abortion, and I say that that's what I believe too. Oh, man, you believe that prayer should be back in school. That, you know, all of these issues that ultimately are really personal decisions. Right. Moral issues are personal decisions. When it comes down to, you know, raw facts in respect to funding of education, uh, funding of our fire departments, our police forces, these are type things that are, I mean, that are, I guess, more, more tactile. And right. <laughs> but people don't vote on that. They don't. Sometimes they will just vote based off of the fact, I like the way this person looks, or I like the way his voice sounds. Wow. Truth be told, I heard a lot of people in 2016 who could not give me a concrete reason why they didn't vote for some candidates. I'm not going to say that candidate's name, but anyway. Um, but... People couldn't give me concrete reasons why they didn't vote. It was just, I don't like that person. Well, what do you mean? Do you have to, do you like your boss? I mean, do you have, do you like your boss? You know, right. and, and I try to liken running this country to running a business. You want someone running the company that's going to make sure that it remains profitable and grows. So you can keep your job? Or do you want someone who 
is actually going to be detrimental to the growth of that of the business. And it's not about whether you like them or not, because I'm going to be honest, some of my bosses I did not like, but they were the best at what they did. Right. They got on my nerves. I used to look, I'd be like, why are you calling me? Leave me alone. Let me do my job. <laughs> but the reality was they were dang good at what they did. Yep. So when we start thinking about who to vote for, it becomes an emotional issue for many people even though you could sit down and lay out facts for why this person really hits your other issues better. But it's an emotional decision. So tapping into why they aren't voting can help you potentially slip them into a voter. That makes a lot of sense, um, a whole lot of sense. And you're right, I never looked at it that way. You know, most people are kind of schizophrenic when it comes to voting because most Americans are voting by their emotions. And it's it's very emotional right now. <laughs> very. very emotional on both very. sides. Um, but, I, you know, I wish everyone would just get the emotion, you know, because I've had to learn that as an adult. I remember I used to make decisions, you know, I'll go – on a whim because I wasn't feeling, I don't know, just been going through a rough year and I'll go buy a car. You know, that's emotional stuff when I didn't need, you know, I'm just saying, you know, using it as an example. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we do crazy stuff by emotions. And this country is really in a place, in a teeter-totter, where it's, it's about to go off a cliff. And we really need to make some decisions about not only our lives, but our children's lives. I mean, these kids, they're coming up and they're, you know, it's, this is crazy. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping things will turn around because I do love my country and um, I'm just hoping things will turn around for us. I really do. Moving on to... Voter suppression. Hmm. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, voter suppression has been going on for many, many years, and it, it kind of started with the women not having the right to vote. And as a matter of fact, in 1913, uh, members of my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated, actually participated in the women's suffrage parade in March of that year. According to reports, thousands of women gathered in Washington, D.C. to call for a constitutional amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote. Fast forward to 2020, we're still dealing with voter suppression in our country and mainly in the black community. Why would one party try to make it hard for our country, for for one community to vote? It's about power. It's about control. Um, That's really what it comes right down to. Um, Can we have a real conversation today? Yes, please. Okay, let's have a real conversation about America. America was founded on ideals that they have never lived up to. This was supposed to be a country created for um, religious freedom, when in reality there was a lot of persecution of Jews. There was persecution of the Native Americans. Their country, the truth of the matter is, this country was stolen from the Native Americans. Yeah. There were people already here when this country was, when people started coming over and people started claiming land. This is not your land. (laughs) Christopher Columbus. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... When you really begin to look at this country and you think about the ideals that people stand on in respect to the Declaration of Independence, this is the reality. We have a situation where it said that all men were created equal, but that's not how this country was functioning at the time that document was written, because my ancestors were property, not even considered human. 
So when it comes down to voter suppression, you start thinking about the fact that women didn't have the right to vote. Truth of the matter was, white women didn't have the right to vote. Right. Blacks, that was it. <laughs> yeah, blacks were given the right to vote per se when slavery ended, okay? But then they came up with all these laws and these hoops for them to jump through in order for them to be able to vote. Something as simple as there were reading tests. There were tests. Um, I remember my grandmother telling me about that there was one in one county in Mississippi where it was like a jar with, like, gumballs in it. You had to guess how many gumballs were in the jar to be able to vote. It was oh my God. craziness, craziness. So voter suppression is nothing new, nothing new at all. And the truth of the matter is that after Obama was elected in his first term, the white establishment was shocked. They were just shocked. They never thought it would happen. But it we did. Never thought it, we never thought it would happen. Hello? We didn't. <laughs> not my in grandmother, our, not in our lifetime. My grandmother cried when he was elected. She was happy that he was elected, but the flip side of it was she was scared for him and his family mm-hmm. because she grew up in a time where black people in power were targets. So um, when you begin to think about why voter ID laws started to be put on the books during his second run for office, why was that? Oh, because minorities came out and, and young people came out in droves and voted. Um, even though they keep touting cases of dead people voting, it was less than one, less than half a percent cases of these types of things happening. And oftentimes, after investigation, they find out the person did die before the actual election day, but at the time their ballot was filled out, they were alive. <laughs> you know? So it, it seems like that. It's, it's causing people to think that there's an issue where there is no issue and not understanding that voter suppression is real, making it more difficult for people to vote, reducing polling locations so the lines get long and people get impatient and don't want to wait, making it more difficult for elderly and sick people to be able to vote by mail. Why should voting be more difficult? How about this? We are in the middle of a pandemic right now. And we have shifted and adjusted everything to being online. Why can't we vote online? Oh, they no, that are not. <laughs> you know, that, but this is the thing. You have electronic voting machines that people can actually tap into remotely by Internet. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference in that? And me voting from my home through a secure site. It would make so, more sense. But these are the types of things that are happening. You know, hey, I live in the state of Texas, and <laughs> and there, you know, our wonderful governor has decided to reduce the number of places that you can take your uh, ballot to one per county. Yeah, drop off, drop off spot. <laughs> yes, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. These are huge. Like in Houston, I have I know people who don't have cars because we have a good public transportation system. They go everywhere on the bus. So you're telling me somebody who lives in the county and doesn't ever come into the downtown Houston, they got to figure out, they got to get from the county, the rural section of Harris County, into downtown Harris County to turn in their ballot, making it more difficult for you to vote. And who's impacted? Poor, undereducated, and um, they lack access to most things. 
Those are the people who are going to be impacted by that. I have no problem. I got a car. I have the finances. I have the ability and the time to be able to go and drop off my ballot. After I have to drop off my mother's ballot. She's over 65. She has a disability, so she qualifies to be able to vote by mail. But I don't want to put her ballot in the mailbox. So her, when, her, when she, her ballot comes and she fills it out, I'm taking it down there. So, so, okay, so you, you don't feel that um, mail-in voting is safe? My concern about the mail-in voting is more about the fact that the U.S. Postal Service is talking about pushing for people to turn their ballots in early because they're concerned. So if the people processing the mail is concerned about things being able to be processed properly due to the changes they've had to make in staffing due to COVID, they've got fewer people working each shift. So it's taking longer for them to process mail. So, yeah, I have some concern about mail-in voting, not that somebody's going to take your ballot, more about the fact that I'm concerned, will it make it there in time to be counted? Right. I mean, let's, you know, because what, what happened? They, they started pulling uh, mailboxes in parts of the country at one point. And, it, you know, making it more difficult for people to be able to put mail in a mailbox. If anything, that mailbox isn't costing you anything sitting there. <laughs> it's along the mail person's route, it can still pick up. I mean, so there's not a rationale there for reducing the number of mailboxes. You so know, it's obvious it's suppression. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you mentioned early, early voting. Um, I lived in Texas for nine years, and that was one thing that I loved, that I can vote early because, of course, you know, Dallas as well as Houston are big cities, and the lines can get very, very long. So I would take advantage of early voting all times. Do you, I mean, do you, are you seeing a lot of people voting early this election mm -hmm. versus I am, others? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people, um, you know, going and voting early. Um, and I think that's really important um, that if you have the ability to be able to do your vote early, do it early. If you choose, because I know I also have a lot of friends who have just said, no, I'm voting on that day. They're, you know, literally they, they decided they're going to take off from work and they're going to go and they're going to stand in line however long it takes. And if you have that kind of commitment and that, that flexibility and that ability to be able to do that, then I no power to you. But if you know you're not going to be able to do that, make plans, call your voting precinct, the early voting precinct, get the guidelines that they're operating under right now for COVID, get your mask on, and take go down, comfortable take shoes. you some snacks comfortable shoes, and go and, be and get your vote done. Yeah, be prepared because you don't know what you're going to walk into. You know, make sure you've got all the documentation that you know you need to be able to vote. And it's unfortunate that you have to do things like that. But I encourage people, you know, you know whatever organization in your area handles um, voting issues, make sure you've got that number on you. Don't leave the voting polls. I've worked the polls. Um, I've worked the polls as a worker. And when you have an issue, it is important for you to handle it right then in that moment while you're in the poll. Because the more time that, that goes between the, the incident that happens and you reporting it, it can get confused. It can get, you can end up getting blocked. Deal with it right then and there. If they ask you to step outside of the polling area to make the call, step outside the polling area. Do whatever the poll worker asks you to do. 
Step outside the polling area, but do not leave your polling location. Stay there. Make the phone call. Get the help you need. Call the clerk that's overseeing um, the voting for your area and let them know what's going on. Absolutely. Um, that's great information because some people, you know, I've heard of people leaving with something happening and they're not sure if their vote was counted or not or, you know, whatever. I mean, make sure you, like she said, you know, if they tell you to step out, step out, make the call to the clerk so you can get everything straight and make sure that your vote counts. You don't want to yeah. just do it in vain. Do not do it in vain because this is, this is a very, very important election. All elections are important, but this year, this, this is, is critical. This, this is what very it is. Critical. <laughs> this is critical. Tracy, what does the Voters' Right Act of 65 do for us today, 1965? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, there are new things on the books that are chipping away at the Voting Rights Act of 65. Voter ID, for example, um, is something very specific that eats away at the rights. And the unfortunate thing to me is, you know, to, it, it gives us the right to vote. Yes, we have the right to vote. Um, but new laws like voter ID chip away at the freedoms that are in there because it said that you can't create something that's going to block us from being able to vote. But, oh, hello, you need a, you need a state ID to be able to vote. Um, and I actually campaigned in the state of Mississippi against voter ID. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win. Um, but I did... We canvassed. We went out on the street knocking on doors and talked to people about the importance of voter ID and how we needed to block it from being brought into the state of Mississippi. And this is the story I always told people about the voting rights, um, about voter ID. My grandmother was elated to be able to vote after getting the right to vote in 1965. And in the midst of all the intimidation and everything else that came along with trying to vote after that law was passed, it still was very important to her. But under new voter, uh, voter ID laws, my grandmother wouldn't have been able to get a state ID if she didn't already have it. Wow. Because one of the requirements to get an ID now due to new Homeland Security regulations she has to have a birth certificate. My grandmother was born on a farm by midwife. Her birth record was the family Bible, which was traditional at that time for black people. There, was, there were no documents. She didn't have a birth certificate. <laughs> so something as simple as that, you can block someone because they don't have a particular piece of documentation. That's crazy. You know, and what's amazing to me with all of that, how they're trying to just stop us, suppress our vote, suppress our voice. Why can't the non-voters that are black see how afraid they are of us if we were to vote as a community? Why can't they understand that? And that's, I just, I don't get it. And I'm asking that as a rhetorical question, and you can answer it if you if you would like. But it's just like I don't understand why can't you see how strong our voice is as a community if we all vote? I mean, why you have to do all of this to suppress us if it was you know if we have that right already? I, I just I just don't understand. Tracy? Yes. Okay. I'll start back over. Um, so what, you know, with all of this being said, them trying to suppress our votes as well as our voice, why can't the non-voters that are black 
see how afraid they are of us if we all voted as a community. And it's a rhetorical question, but you're welcome to answer it if you would like. But why can't they see that? Um, you know, sometimes the rhetoric is so strong, you buy into it. You believe what they say, that we can't ever come together. We can't ever agree. But we actually can, and that's where our power is. Yes. And if we get past ourselves, the reality is if any group that can't come together, it's because the people as a part of the group are so focused on what they want as individuals, they can't see the benefit of being a part of the group and ultimately seeing that everyone's going to be able to accomplish the things they want if we come together as a group. I've seen, I've been on committees, <laughs> I have worked with organizations that have imploded from the inside out because people were, well, what about what I need? Well, what about what I need? Hold on. We got to get, get the power first. Right. Um, one of the dangers of not seeing your power, the collective power we have, is that we keep looking for one person to make the change for us. People assumed that when President Obama was elected, that every structure in this country that had ever been created to hold black people back was going to be erased. <laughs> he was seen as a savior. But the reality is this. He wasn't just elected by black America. Right. He had to govern the entire country. And the expectation that one man can dismantle a system that has been that was created over four hundred years ago. You don't dismantle a system like that in four years or eight years. It's not possible. So we have to come together to dismantle that system. And until we do, nobody else is going to do it for us. We have to dismantle the system by gaining the power. And we gain that power by voting. And we gain that power by collectively working toward a common goal. The only way we can do it. That's the only way. I totally agree. And um, you mentioned local elections earlier, but Tracy, you were a campaign manager back in 2013, and you helped my cousin to keep their stamps win his first election. Thank you very much. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> most people do not vote in local election, elections, so please explain to listeners how important local elections are. Local elections protect you from bad government in other parts of the country. Ultimately, your municipal, your county government impacts you more personally because they determine your uh, property taxes. They determine how much it's going to cost for you to put a tag on your car. They impact your children's schools. They impact um, your roads. Um, what types of businesses can come into your community? All of these things that impact your day-to-day -day life are controlled by your local elections. So making sure that you vote for your city government, your county government, your state government can protect you if someone is in office at the presidential or Congress level because of states' rights. That's one thing you've got to understand. Federal government is overarching, and there are things that they can just push down, but then there are also things that are considered in opposition to states' rights, and so the state can either go along with what the federal government says, or they can choose to have them write their own laws. So your state government can protect you. So when you just choose to only vote in a presidential year, which I know a bunch of folks that do, you, impact, you are unable to impact your local decision, your local judges, your municipal judges. People sitting there saying, well, I don't understand this person 
has been let out and they never been to jail and they done broken so many houses. Well, guess what? You vote for the judge that let them out. <laughs> or rather, you didn't vote for that judge that got arrested. So as a result of you, your inaction, it's still a decision. Choosing not to vote is still a decision. That's what I can't get people to understand. Well, I can't. It's like choosing between the the uh, worst of two, the best of two evils. But it's a choice. When you it's choose choice. not to vote, it's still a choice. It happens to you instead of you choosing to be a part of the process. I don't always choose the candidate that wins, but I still have a sense of accomplishment by walking into that voting booth and voting every single right. time. So are local elections more important than presidential elections? <laughs> Prior to this year, I would have said, yeah. <laughs> but when you're in a situation where our influence around the world is being impacted, it becomes even more important because we are not a separate country. We interact with the world. And right now, we need someone who can come in and rebuild bridges that have been torn down. Some of them were burned, but um, <laughs> literally you've got to have somebody that can come in and rebuild because assuming that we can function without any other part of the world is short-sighted and dangerous. Okay. Um, prior to 9-11, there had not been any type of uh, attack in this country since Pearl Harbor. Right now, because of the way things are happening in this country, that is a concern of mine. Yes. A huge concern of mine. And when I think about the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, I want someone that understands that there is power in partnership, collaboration, and in diversity. We don't have that right now. We just don't. Um, And going forward, you know, my message to anyone that is of age to vote is to get registered, stay registered, and vote consistently. I don't care if it's a runoff for a city council seat. Go and vote. Right. Oh, I've heard people say, oh, well, it's only one, one seat that's being uh, voted on. It's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. And don't just walk into the voting booth not knowing who you need, who you going to vote for. Right. And I've seen people do that, literally standing there looking at the sample ballot when they get there trying to figure out who they're going to vote for. And that's... That to me is just as dangerous as not voting. Hmm. You know, so be educated, vote consistently, and take somebody with you. Just like you take somebody to the mall when you go on uh, shopping on Black Friday, I need you to take somebody with you to the polls. Same thing. Right. I totally agree. Um... Do you have any last thoughts to leave with my listeners why voting is very important? Anything? You think you covered everything or? (laughs) Um, I think get educated. I'm thankful for the fact that I had grandparents who were teachers who wanted to not only show me what to do but also explain to me why. So if you don't really understand how the, this government works, I seek it out. Find a book on, on, on government, on civics, and understand how, this, how the country works, how things function, and how these things impact your life. 
and stop being allowing life to happen to you because I hear it over and over again. People make excuses. Well, I couldn't do that because, you know, there's this law or this, you know, they I had to pay this fine or this fee. And Well, you do know who makes those decisions, right? <laughs> there are people who are elected to make those decisions, and those things impact your life. So get educated so that you can uh, be a knowledgeable voter. Be engaged, be involved, because, hey, this is your city, your county, your state, your country. Be a good citizen. Be informed and vote. Be a good citizen. I love it. Vote. Vote, vote, vote. 25 days, November 3rd, guys. Yeah, I have on my T-shirt right now, and still I vote. That I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining me today. And I will have you back soon to discuss your book and your business. But I, I really need to get you in for this. This was <laughs> so, so very important. What did you say? I said, oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Please tell the listeners how they can follow you on social media and also how they can buy your book. All right. Well, you can find me on um most social media platforms at I am Tracy L. James, and I'm the special Tracy that spells T-R-A-C-I-E. And I pretty much kind of spend most of my time either on LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, Instagram, so you can catch me there. Um, you can purchase my book, Excuse Proof Leadership. It is available on Amazon, or you can check it out on my website, TracyLJames.com. Awesome. And, guys, you can follow me, um, She Says She Say Sports, on Facebook, She Says She Say Sports 23 on Instagram. And that's our show for today. Until next time, this is Sonia with She Says She Say Sports, and I will see you on the radio. Okay. Thank you so much. That was good. Oh, I'm honey. I already knew it was going to be good because you was passionate. You, that's something you're very <laughs> passionate about. It's so, like one of my things. One of your things. I'm gonna call you. Let me call you. Let me get off this recording because the mic has okay. to be fussing at me. No, he won't. Right. Love you, Mike. <laughs> I'll call you again. Bye. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.